With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. NFL free agency is flying right now. And today, we're going to go through all of the Wave 1 moves. Not just our favorite signings, the biggest signings, but which signings have a mega impact on the NFL draft, whether it's the top 10 picks or beyond that, teams like the Chargers and the Bengals getting active as well in a crazy, crazy opening day of NFL free agency. I'm Connor Rogers, joined as always by my co-host Trevor Sikama. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange. I'm Connor Rogers. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Trevor Sykema. And, man, we got a fun show today because NFL free agency is firing on all cylinders. We are going to go through the biggest moves of Wave 1. And we're going to take a look at how a lot of them impact the NFL draft. And not just the first round, but rounds 1, 2, maybe even 3. So we're excited to get into this. Trevor, you're coming fresh off the Tom Brady return news, which kind of kicked free agency into high gear with a lot of guys going back to the Bucks. But it's been a wild day, man. How are we feeling? Dude, it was exciting last night and even this morning getting to see everyone uh, look at our reaction because obviously yes. we were recording the podcast last night when it dropped. And so getting to share that clip was absolutely hilarious. I gained like over a hundred Twitter followers, I guess, because people just love to watch me freak out about things. I think you told me that you gained a bunch of Bucks followers too. So like now you're, you now you're an am, honorary member of Bucks Nation, baby. I am fire the cannons or feeling the fire the cannons love right now. <laughs> I had to ask Trevor before the show what the saying is, but I am you all fire the cannons right now. No, the, the Brady news was great. Uh, I'm sure as hell glad that Brady didn't do this on a Monday because free agency is already difficult enough. And that, that Brady news would have buried so many signings that we really needed to, to to see at the forefront to see like Schefter and Ari and 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 Rap and all those dudes uh, break these news and everything and so there were a ton of guys who signed in different signed in new teams a lot of guys coming back as well which like you said with this being an NFL draft podcast we are going to spin all of these signings into a draft focus how does free agency change what we are about to see in the NFL draft and so Connor. I'll let you open it up just like you opened up the show so beautifully. Where do you want to start when we have day one of the tampering period? Almost in the books. Almost in the books. I mean, I think we got to start with the Jacksonville spending spree, right? Dude, and I'm sure some cow. people listening to the show are like, you're starting with the Jags. But how can you not on a day in this lovely rundown that you put together, Trevor, mm. that they before this they franchise tag cam robinson still almost 17 million dollars commitment right there right they signed brandon scherf to a big time deal obviously viewed as the most talented guard veteran guard on the market they signed uh foley Fadukasi, jets former jets sixth round pick that is a great run defender quietly one of the best interior run defenders in the nfl a three-year 30 million christian kirk three years 72 million 
uh evan ingram one year nine million uh olicon got three years 45 from them that's a massive deal for olicon yeah and then zay jones at the buzzer here three years 24 million i mean trevor you look at all these signings whatever how you feel about them right i'm sure a lot of them are overpays that's free agency but the way they've spent kind of makes it seem like Aiden Hutchinson is going number one overall right now. Hey, agree. I had him going number one overall in the mock that I did, yes, did. the morning of free agency because I felt like that's where we were going. And it seems as though these free agency dollars kind of echo that. Now, there wasn't nearly as much of an edge presence as there were offensive line presence. And so that goes into it. But now you look at the Jags offensive line. Yeah, it's got a little bit of moving and shaking and, and you, you probably still need upgrades and you got to see how these guys play in the field. But now you've got Cam Robinson, Walker Little, Juwan Taylor, Brandon Sheriff, right? And they might not be done. They might not be done with their yeah. offensive line. So all of a sudden, there was already the debate of, is Jacksonville going to take an offensive lineman at number one, knowing they have Walker Little, who played all right last year, Juwan Taylor, who's kind of their solidified right tackle, and then bringing back Cam Robinson on the franchise tag. Were you about to draft Evan Neal and put him at, like, right guard, left guard? Like, were you about to draft that kind of a player at number one overall and and put him there? There were already debates of whether or not that would be the move. But now, especially with them paying Scherf, I think you're right. I think all signs point to Hutchinson at this point with the number one overall pick. Listen, I think they absolutely can take a a Neal or an Icky and play him on the right side. But the fact is we've heard a lot of Hutchinson buzz really when we got out of Indy. And we know how much teams love Hutchinson because he has the ceiling of a number one overall pick but also has the floor that you feel good about from a safety valve perspective. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they have allocated so much, so many dollars. Remember what I said on from your mock draft show, the one that came out Monday of this week, I said, my biggest question with Jacksonville is a team that is so conscientious of the PR hits that they've taken since urban Meyer and failing Trevor Lawrence, or do they have a fear of not using the number one pick on an asset geared towards Trevor Lawrence's development. Now you've spent all of this money on offense that I think internally and externally, it's a little bit easier of a sell for them now to go Aiden Hutchinson instead of offensive line. No, I think so too. I think that's totally right. And you know, it's funny that you bring up is Jacksonville going to mess around with the public perception because then they go out and they sign Christian Kirk <laughs> to a, a four-year, $84 million deal. and Top that five was, receiver money, right? That was what the original reports was that that was the deal for Kirk. And that is technically the deal for Kirk, but I I think less than half of that, 80, yes. what was it, 81 or 80 i think it was 84 out at 82 and yeah half of that is guaranteed so it's essentially a two-year deal anyways it was just kind of rapaport and schefter basically for the agent what the agent said and tweeting it out and people freaking about out about it so i honestly i thought about that today when the jags were spending all this money everywhere and i'm like i guess it don't really care what the public thinks they're gonna do what they want to do and I, i don't think all the moves were bad but i I do wonder what happens with LaVisca Chenault now, right? When, when you it's look at weird. that roster and it's just, I mean, where does he fit? It just seems like he doesn't at this point. It, I agree. And the fact that you have Travis Etienne coming back healthy, we're assuming, 
you've spent money on two wide receivers. We know ETN is going to be used, or the plan when he was drafted, and I know that was an urban thing, the pass-catching right. role, but that's still that's part of who he is. That's part of who he's going to be. Man, you're right. I mean, you're right. Like, when it comes down to it, Kirk and obviously Zay Jones are true wide receivers, but with there's also manufactured touches of your offense, the, the screens, the dump-offs, the pitch passes, the reverses. I think those go to ETN before Chenault. And now you're right, Trevor. He feels like a guy that draft day, maybe you call up and you offer a fifth or a sixth rounder. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe. I don't even know if he's worth that right now. And and then he's moved off the roster. Maybe. I, I can't remember what the phrase was that they used at the combine. I think it was the, the ship has not sailed on LaVisca Chenault, but you know, they say about Denzel Mims. That's not a good thing to say about. <laughs> right. And like, and like head coaching GMs for as much as we like to try to like take nuggets from them at the combine. They also lie a lot. I mean, Pete Carroll oh, yeah. basically just said, we have no intentions of trading Russell Wilson. And then a week later they trade Russell Wilson. Yeah. So we know that the head coaches and GMs fabricate things and just don't really want to answer questions truthfully, especially when they're hard questions. I agree with you. I'd be shocked if LaVisca Chenault's on the Jaguars roster to start the year next year. And I, I don't love that move. Like I think LaVisca Chenault can still be really good, especially when he's healthy. But I wonder if that goes into the equation. You're right. Especially with the wide receivers that they brought in and then Evan Ingram too. them signing him to be a big slot kind of a player. We're running out of manufactured touches, if you will. And so I think, I think it is more likely than not as an outsider, People who are on the inside of things, who follow the Jags a little bit more closely, you guys might know a lot of little bit more information than I do. But as I look at the depth chart now, after day one of the tampering period, I would think it's more likely LaVisca Chenault's on a different roster than he is in Jacksonville to start next season. Yeah, there's just a lot of fallouts from signings like today. And that's one that you look at and go, eh, maybe. So with Jacksonville, you know, a lot of these signings feel like because they've had such poor drafting uh, for a while and they needed bridge guys to come in and help Trevor Lawrence, uh, not calling Kirk a bridge guy, but the Zay Jones contract is the perfect example. You see the three years, 24 million. Zay Jones might only be there for a year or two while you're trying to draft and develop receivers to play behind him. You, you're just giving, gaining yourself flexibility is what Jacksonville is doing. And that's not at the number one pick. It is the number one pick, but people need to also realize that's at the 33rd pick. That is a vital pick for Jacksonville to get it right, whether it is a wide receiver, whether it is a pass rusher, whatever it may be. They are just trying to open up flexibility. And I think that was the theme of the day for a handful of teams in free agency. So let's talk about another team. I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers because sure. where there was a lot of other teams that signed a lot more guys, spent a lot more money. What the Steelers did might have one of the biggest ripple effects for the 2022 NFL draft. And that is that they signed Mitchell Trubisky, baby. They won the Mitch Trubisky sweepstakes that you and I talked about a bunch a week ago when we were at the combine and there was a lot of buzz around Trubisky's name. A lot of people were talking about Trubisky, where he was going to play. It wasn't going to be in Buffalo again. He was probably going to get the opportunity to start. And you know what? He has that now in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh looking for a quarterback now with Ben Roethlisberger gone. The deal, as we are just recording this podcast, we just found out the details. It's a two-year deal with little over $14 million as a base, but can go up to $27 million with all the incentives. And you would think that's basically if he's a backup quarterback, he is going to get paid like a backup. If he is the starter, he is going to get paid 
well, not quite like the starter, but a little bit more money getting into close to the $15 million per year range. The big question is, does this affect what Pittsburgh does to go get a quarterback in this upcoming draft? And Connor, I think the answer is no. I, I still think they love Malik Willis. I still I think they're in on Malik Willis. What this move does, it is it allows Pittsburgh to at least on the outside look less desperate when potentially trying to negotiate to get up from number 20 to go get Malik Willis. Because you said on yesterday's episode go. of the podcast, I had Malik Willis going number 20, and you said he's gonna have they're gonna have to move up. There's no way they're gonna be able to sit back at 20 and get Malik Willis. And I agreed with you but I wasn't sure where that spot was going to be. This move to me is a great insurance move and a leverage manipulator more than right. anything else to hopefully go get the guy that they really want to be starting in Pittsburgh a couple of years from now. That's right. And how long have we heard the Mitch market heating up like this? It was done by probably the Steelers and the Giants. The Giants thinking of you know the familiarity with the Buffalo front office and coaching staff coming down and then you could have him compete with Daniel Jones but they didn't the Giants had really no money to play with they did well with what they what they had getting a guard in Glowinski and getting a center in Feliciano but they had really no money to spend and then when you look at the Steelers this deal is actually it's you're you know that with the reporting initially now that it came out while we're recording late into the night uh Monday evening 14 million dollar deal really just loaded up with incentives it's not a you're our guy for two years it's barely you're our guy for one year but like you said trevor when you call on draft night and you call whoever it may be the atlanta falcons at eight you want to jump mm -hmm. seattle the new york jets at 10 you want to jump the teams in the teens you don't get taken for a ride nobody's sitting there going you don't have anything on your quarterback roster we'll take two ones to come up 10 spots you don't want to be put in that position and get taken for a ride because everybody knows you're desperate. Now, whatever you think about Mitch Trubisky, right? Because everybody's been either dunking on this and then there's the media that's like, oh, he can turn around his career there. I'm somewhere in the middle that he's a true bridge guy for them. Now you have a, there's two things. One, you don't get taken for a ride completely if you got to go up and get a quarterback. Number two, let's call it what it is. Malik Willis is not ready to play right away. So right. Mitch Trubisky needs right. to be the guy that holds the four. That wouldn't be fair to Malik Willis to draft him and throw him into the fire. I feel that way about Malik. I feel that way about Sam Howell. I feel I, he started four years. I still feel that way about Desmond Ritter. Kenny Pickett, I think, can play right away. He's a, a floor guy, not a ceiling guy like Mac Jones was last year. But for the Steelers, this is a, a double-sided you know, sided sword of a move where you're protecting your leverage, and you're also protecting the development of whoever you take a quarterback. But I think the theme has to be here, Trevor. They are still in on the quarterback class for 2022. All of a sudden, my mind now really goes to number 11 with the Washington Commanders where Pittsburgh sure. could target to go up because I don't think any of these teams in the top 10 are super in on spending a premium pick that high on this quarterback class. And so I feel like it is realistic to believe that even if you believe Malik Willis is going to be QB one in this draft, it might be right outside the top 10. Now, if Pittsburgh goes up to 11, they're jumping teams like the Minnesota Vikings at 12, like the New Orleans Saints at 18, right? These teams that might be looking at quarterback who might be looking to move up even. And Pittsburgh can go to Washington now 
a team that is looking for extra draft capital now that they have made the trade for Carson Wentz and they could potentially get a deal done there. So I, I look at 11 and I see that as a hot spot for a Pittsburgh Steelers trade up if they want to go up and get Malik Willis and make sure that they secure that. Uh, what's another What's another talking point that you, you have during this tampering period? I mean, we got to look at the teams that just said, we have a quarterback on a rookie contract that we feel really good about let's go spend all the i mean you got to realize right when you have a franchise quarterback however you view it or not that could be kirk cousins because of money that could be aaron Rodgers. that could, you're in that 30 to 50 million dollar range when you're on the rookie deal say the numbers around eight because you were taken as a top five pick that's a that's multiple starters you can play with so we'll start with the chargers right here who okay. went out and said because justin herbert's on a rookie deal but he is a star we are going to utilize the cap space that we're saving before we have to pay him. They brought back Mike Williams on a three-year, $60 million deal. Huge. Okay, They signed J.C. Jackson, the number one corner on this market and an interception machine, which, you know, another double-sword move. Yeah, you got J.C. Jackson. You got a number one corner. You took him from New England, who can be a thorn in tr you trying to get one of those late playoff spots because – you're looking uphill at the Chiefs. That's how it is. And maybe the Chargers are better than the Chiefs this year. I don't know that, but that's just reality they're getting, right they're now. They're getting closer. They're closing the, that gap, man. The Bills are better than New England. So New England is a problem for you. They are one of those late seed playoff teams that's going to be a little bit of a thorn. Now you sniped them. Uh, you got J.C. Jackson, who New England, for whatever reason, it sounds like didn't make contact with to bring back. Sebastian uh, Joseph Day for the interior of your defensive line. Oh, yeah, and they traded for a guy called named Khalil Mack. Okay? Heard of him. So... I mean, good Lord, Trevor, the defense, this is the, my theme of this is they did so well solving needs with premium talent, mm -hmm. 17, take whoever the best player is, right? You're not pigeonholed into Jordan Davis. You're not pigeonholed into Trent McDuffie. You don't have to take Jamison Williams because you got, you know, it'd be fun if they did. I still think that should be a great pick. I don't think <laughs> right. he'll be there. This gets fun if you're a Chargers fan at 17 right now. Yeah, and kind of to continue your point, like even after, like beyond just the Chargers, I love that you brought this up, that teams are really going after their talented quarterbacks in their rookie deals because there is nothing more advantageous, man. I mean, you nailed it. Being able to succeed, compete for playoff spots, maybe even championships with quarterbacks who are on rookie deals, it's huge. I mean, you look at what the Bengals are doing. You look at, like you said, what the Chargers have been able to do and compete, and they're trying to put themselves over the over the hump to get to where the Bengals got to this past year you look at other teams like obviously Baker Mayfield's rookie window is closing but what the Cleveland Browns are trying to do there with probably prioritizing wide receiver in the first round of the draft adding Amari Cooper making sure that's not an excuse there we look at what the Jaguars did with, with Trevor Lawrence I mean they're beefing up the offensive line they're hopefully getting Travis Etienne back in the backfield they're getting all sorts of passing weapons and they're probably not done this offseason so they are going hard at Trevor Lawrence's rookie contract window. I also look at the Chicago Bears, and things are a little bit different in Chicago, but to bring up a point that we've talked about before on this podcast, Chicago's kind of offloading talent, but I don't mind that they're doing it because some people look at what they've been doing with the defensive line, the guys that have been out of there, what might happen with Allen Robinson, and it's just like, wow, what are the Chicago Bears doing? Are they going to ruin Justin Fields? And I kind of see it the other way. I kind of see it as this team, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus being very honest with where they are, thinking, yes. okay, we've got another four years of Justin Fields in his rookie window. We are not ready to compete right now. 
Let's get rid of all of the fat in our roster, cut the guys that are making a lot of money that aren't going to pan out for us two, three years from now when we're really ready, and let's jumpstart this thing. Let's, let's accelerate us getting better, getting younger, and slingshotting our talent to where we need to go. So I even think the Chicago Bears have the correct mindset when it comes to maximizing those rookie contracts with talented quarterbacks. And you're obviously seeing the Jets do that as well. We're going to dive deep into what the Jets have been doing. But I think this is a fantastic point that you brought up. And we're seeing a lot of teams, thankfully, thankfully, do right by their rookie quarterbacks, their talented rookie quarterbacks, to try to maximize that contract window. I mean, that's that's the name of the game in the NFL, honestly. If you are sitting in the GM chair, when you evaluate not only the job that you take, but before that job interviews, you look at, okay, what is the quarterback situation? That's question number one. And if you're walking into a situation where you are going to be drafting one, you go, how do I maximize the window before I have to pay the guy? And having to pay the guy is often a blessing because that means you hit on the quarterback, right? So uh, when you look at it, and honestly, part of knowing if you hit on the quarterback is putting good expensive pieces around him. So, I mean, the Chargers know they hit on Justin Herbert, but I guess this is a good time to transition to the Jets who are in that you know, a phase a little earlier, right? They don't know what Zach Wilson is. They drafted him number two overall, so they believe in him a lot. His rookie season started out very poorly and and finished quite strongly. So it it was a roller coaster at best, right? So they go out and say, okay, well, we didn't really put a ton of talent around this guy. We're going to go and get Lakin Tomlinson, a guy that we coached in San Francisco as a pro bowler on a three-year $40 million deal. You got to love that move. And He'll move over to right guard. AVT will stay at left guard. You don't want to mess with the young pup there and and keep things a little simple for him. Lakin played right guard in college. You get Braxton Berrios back, who's going to be really your fourth wide receiver and your all-pro returner. And, and then you look at it and you go and, you know, bring back Tevin Coleman, whatever. You um, But the, big, the last big one that we've seen from them is finally getting a tight end. The Jets had probably the worst tight end room in the NFL last year in an offense that I mean, look at the offenses around the league that are similar to the Jets, right? You could start with the Niners. They have George Kittle, okay? And the Jets went to an offense somewhat similar to theirs in Cincinnati and got Uzama. So they've made some moves. They're going to make more moves. But now you're starting to see a run-first offense develop for Zach Wilson, which should open up the play-action passing game for him, which was the whole plan when you drafted him. But now it's time to be aggressive why he's very, very cheap player actually put pieces around him how much does this change if at all what the jets are going to do with kind of their premium picks so like you got number four you got number 10 you've got some picks in the second round like do do do, does is what they did today which i know isn't too big of a surprise to you because i'm gonna give you some kudos here i'm gonna shout you out anybody who listened to this podcast knows that connor said on this very on these very airwaves hey Look for the Jets to start to spend a little bit of money at interior offensive line. So you yeah. said that you called it. And obviously that was a big priority of theirs as we saw on day one of the tampering period. But does this change the Jets draft strategy at all? What do you think here? I mean, it's fluid as we record here because Chandler Jones is still out there. But I am convinced that they are thinking pass rusher at four or ten because mm. they have they paid okay. Carl Lawson last year. And we know how good this pass rush class is when you have a pick in the top ten. They have two. I think the the most fascinating part to me, Trevor, is you and I just had this conversation on Monday. If Iki Aquanu is there at four, we think that they run in that card. Your starting offensive line is George Fan at left tackle, AVT at left guard, Connor uh, McGovern at center, Lakin Tomlinson at right guard, 
Makai Becton at right tackle. We think they're going to move him over because Fant took over the left side last year and did a great job, and the staff loves him. That's their choice. So if they're going to run in that card for Ike Aquanu at four, are they thinking about trading Makai Becton? I was going to say, where is he playing? What are they doing with him? Uh, it's, it's a situation to me that I find fascinating. And I, I, that, I, Look, if, if he can't get his weight under control and they believe that he's always going to be hurt, then okay, I guess you explore yeah. a trade. But like, if you're trading Makai Becton right now, it doesn't feel you're going to get what you want in return, that's, right? That's where I'm hung up on it, that this was Joe Douglas's first first-round pick since taking the job. You cannot just s- dump off that guy. You need something significant in return, a top 50 yeah, selection, and I right. don't know if they get that. So that's where the Jets are right now. Very interesting because they control so much of how the draft goes at 4-10. and 10. I've I felt Equanu at 4 if he's there, and then we talked about Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson if he's not. Uh, 10, I think, is going to be wide receiver. You know, they no Okay, so you they do. Didn't... You think it's going to be wide yeah. receiver still. Okay. I do. I think Sauce Gardner is a wild card for them, but mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, they're trying to sign a corner as well as we do this show. But, yeah, I think wide receiver has to be an option for them. That's why I called Barrios the four. Mm-hmm. I think the wide receiver group will be Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, uh, the 10th overall pick, or where if they move back a little bit, and then Barrios. So the Jets are... They're finally being aggressive. Joe Douglas has not been overly aggressive since taking that job, and and they are trying to make the strides that the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Bills have. Long way to go to get to those three. Long way to go, but that's that's the name of the game if you want to be in that chair for a long time. All right, there we go. All right, so I I did want to go back a little bit to the Chargers conversation because we talked about the Herbert angle. You mentioned the moves that they've made, brought back Mike Williams, went and got J.C. Jackson, uh, traded for Khalil Mack, and then they signed Sebastian Joseph Day, which you and I talked a little bit about this before we hit record on the podcast because it was just kind of breaking that that was happening. Sebastian Joseph Day, does it? it I, I think a lot of people are going to be asking the question, does this change their mindset from maybe targeting Jordan Davis at 17? Because we have long believed that that is a target for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think it makes a lot of sense. But Sebastian Joseph Day, he didn't sign for chump change, you know, no, three years, $24 million, 15 guaranteed. So it's, I mean, that's rotational slash starter interior defensive line money. Of course, it's not like elite and pass rusher interior defensive line money, but it's good money that you're saying there. I, I think you are right though. I think this is truly just freeing the chargers up to pick whoever the hell they want at 17. And you know what it also does? I think it allows them to maybe not even pick at 17. And when I say Good that, I don't, I don't totally even Good mean call. trading up. I maybe even say trading back. like trade, And I mean like trading back far, like acquiring capital for next year's draft, which might be a little bit stronger than this year's draft. And so it's just, it's almost like they really are taking the motto of you fill all the needs you can in free agency to give you maximum flexibility when draft weekend comes around. And however you maximize that, whether it's trading up, whether it's trading down, or whether it's drafting a really good player that you think is going to help you out the most, it feels like Brandon Staley and the Chargers are doing just that. I think so. And I think, number one, I love that you brought that up because that's a tradable spot. Because who's picking behind them? The Saints. And everybody thinks that the Saints are either finally all in on the wide receiver class, and if not, they're a wild card to take a quarterback. Mm -hmm. That matters a lot. Because you don't want to be the team picking in the 20s 
that didn't get your receiver when they're all gone. Right. Like I said, that run starts at, with Atlanta at eight, the wide receiver run. It gets hot with the Jets and the Commanders. It gets hot, you know, it gets hot again in the middle there. I think that's a very movable pick, and that's a way to get your second rounder back and continue to distribute more talent when you don't have a need at 17. Trevor, how many times have we talked about it? This class starts to fall off a cliff where everybody's even for about 40 picks. It's, it's, I love what the Chargers have done. I am genuinely excited about them right now. Yeah, they're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. On the other hand, which, man, that's a, that's that was a little too mean. I probably shouldn't have Tough transitioned Tough like But I don't really know what the Cowboys are doing right now. That's, we talked I on agree. yesterday's podcast when you brought up the Cowboys selection in my mock draft, and I said that it was kind of about them keeping status quo i had them taking bernard raymond the offensive tackle for central michigan which i still think could be a good pick for them but now you look at kind of what they're doing okay they're losing amari cooper they lost xavier woods they lost lyle collins they brought they brought back to marcus lawrence for an incredible deal by the way like 10 million a year which is nuts i don't know how he, i don't know how they got him to sign for that it's guaranteed they, all of it that's the only way i guess but still man like Harold Landry's making way more than that and i love harold landry but come on what are we doing uh dalton schultz they franchise tagged and they did reach a long-term deal with michael gallup so i still think the plan for the cowboys is to try to maintain status quo as a contender but i'm i'm not as sure i know exactly what that pick is going to be at 24 with that thought in mind do you have any clarity more clarity here on the on the cowboys one way or another where they might be leaning with that first round pick well i still think they are gonna they have quietly significant problems on the offensive line if they're, totally they're moving on from lyle collins that's if you just follow the dallas media they were talking about him being potentially traded then they were talking about him being potentially cut if not traded and now it's like yeah, it sounds like he's going to be released no matter what, which is big time for the Broncos need a right tackle. I still think Jacksonville needs a right tackle. Lyle Collins is a great name on the market for those two teams. The Raiders, uh, I mm-hmm. think that'd be a yeah, home run huge. for those three teams. Yes. But man, now the Cowboys have two holes on the offensive line. They obviously could think about wide receiver. Cedric Wilson went to Miami, and that was oh, kind right, of the quiet right. signing of the day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you lost Amari Cooper. You lost Cedric Wilson, who's a nice little player for them uh, as their number four. You need CD to take that step. You like Gallup, especially that contract. It's a good contract for Gallup. I have no problem with that. You have Schultz back, but man, you got I think you got to draft a wide receiver. I think you have to take an offensive lineman early. I think Kenyon Green is still that layup for them. I look at Kenyon Green and go, man, he's played four off spots on the offensive line. He's a very, very good guard prospect that might be able to get you by a couple games at tackle if somebody goes down. Mm-hmm. So for the Cowboys, my problem isn't really what they do at 24 because so many things started to make sense. But when you say that, that's kind of scary that there's that many needs now on a Dallas team that I've been ready for them to make the Super Bowl jump the last year or two. Yeah, it's not a there are so many options at 24 because they don't have a lot of holes in their roster. It's like it's not the Chargers. It's the yes, opposite. Yes, it's there's so many options with the Cowboys that we would really like for them to fill multiple options with one pick if they could. I still think I agree with you. I think Kenyon Green's very high on their list. I think he's going to be a big time target there. I think Bernard Raymond's the same way. Obviously, if a guy like Trevor Penning gets down yep. there, they're going to think about him as well. But 
they could be tempted by wide receiver at this point, right? CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, I know they like those guys, but they've had those guys plus Amari Cooper, and I think that they like the fireworks they were able to have with, with that group. I think, personally, that wide receiver, wide receiver is firmly behind their offensive line preference and yes. addressing that in the first round. But I do think it's a little sneaky. If offensive line goes a lot quicker than we believe it's going to, if they don't love the options that are left, especially the right tackle options, maybe they could dip into wide receiver. So that is a possibility there. We got a couple more teams, some big signings that we want to get to, the implications that they have on the NFL draft. But I want to tell you guys that if you do not have a PFF subscription right now, you can get 25% off any PFF subscription, which is an edge subscription, an elite college or whatever. If you use the promo code NFLSE, that is a yearly subscription that gets you all sorts of locked premium content where we use all of our premium stats and all the tools that we have there. Uh, the green line betting tool for in the season, if you're a big better, the fantasy football draft guide, the actual full draft guide that we have that gets released um, early on, which gets updated, I think, throughout the year. And so there's so much stuff that comes with a subscription pff.com whether it's an edge or an elite it gets you so much stuff you can become a smarter football fan you can even give it as a gift to people um it makes great gifts as well and then also got to tell you all about all 22 if you've listened to this podcast before you've heard us talk about it but it is such a cool new concept that combines fantasy football with madden fantasy draft abilities and, and essentially what it is is all 22 uses pff grades as one of its main scoring components that tests your ability to build a full 53-man roster. That means offensive line included. So you will go head-to-head -head with your friends in your league, just like fantasy football, except you are scored off of how these guys actually perform, not just in their stats. You can join the wait list right now, all-22.com, with nothing more than your email, and you will get the... Uh, if, if you if you sign up, you're going to get a promo code. And in there, you're going to get premium content. You got the inaugural draft guide, in-season strategies. They'll tell you what it's all about, feature releases, everything, man. Go follow them on Twitter, at all22 underscore PFF. It's less fantasy and more actual football. Check it out, guys. Where are we going next? We, who do we want to talk about? We, we got a handful of other signings that I think are really going to impact the 2022 NFL draft. So who else do you want to bring up? We're going to get heavy into the Bengals in here in a second, but I didn't want to forget because this was a talking point of mine on Monday's show that got dated instantly. Kirk Cousins <laughs> getting a little extension. What happened they on Monday? Something, or something, what, what, what happened on Sunday night? Something happened on Sunday night? Can't oh, remember. my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got a little sidetracked by the old Tom Brady news. And then uh, Kirk Cousins kind of flew under the radar. They had one yeah. more year onto his deal for about $35 million, which my talking point on Monday's show was I – don't know what this team wants to be. Do they want to go full throttle with Cousins and try to win? Do they want to just let him play out his deal in 2022 and then move on to a early rookie pick? I still am a little confused, Trevor, to be honest with you, because they didn't give Cousins this commitment of, we're going to build around you for the next three to four years, but they also are paying him top dollar for the next two. Mm -hmm. So I still think the Vikings are somewhere in the middle I do look at this deal and say, okay, well, they're obviously trying to win. They think they're ahead of the Lions, which is understandable. They think they're ahead of the Bears, which is understandable. They are not ahead of the Packers, obviously, although the Packers, who we're going to talk about a lot today as well, uh, have some interesting good things and some interesting issues ahead of them. So the Vikings extending Cousins, what do you, what do you make of this? It's such a hard deal to react to. I just can't figure them out. You know, when I look at this Cousins deal, I look at it differently than, say, 
what the Steelers did with Mitchell Trubisky because I talked about, okay, you're getting a guy on the roster, you're getting some security to allow yourself to have a defense against really losing leverage, maybe going up or back or however you want to navigate this quarterback class. Honestly, them signing Kirk Cousins again to a fully guaranteed extra year, which Mike McCartney is an elite agent, man. Elite. How he has been able to do this with Kirk Cousins is incredible. My hat is so far off to Mike for everything that he's been able to do. Dude, six, since 2016, no quarterback in the NFL has made more money. It's insanity. No quarterback in the NFL insanity. since 2016. I think he barely, I think he, it's it's like since 2016, he's made like $159 million, and that's right above what Aaron Rodgers made, which is just... <laughs> How mind. many times has he beaten Aaron Rodgers? I'm not even being like a jerk. I, I, I don't like, know. Not a lot. Not, not, and not I know enough to justify no $160 the, million. Dollars. I know uh, it's so, not the quarterback wins thing, but still. Vikings have had a good roster, by the way. So, 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 I mean, when you look at it, I think this tells me the Vikings are not in on this quarterback class at all. And we've mm. sort of toyed with the idea of, hey, Minnesota would be a great spot for Malik Willis. Draft him. So behind Kirk Cousins for a year, you move on Kirk Cousins, then you're starting Malik Willis. Same thing could be said with maybe some of these other guys, right? Sam Howell, a Carson Strong, maybe a Kenny Pickett, a Matt Corral, whatever. Now, you cut Kirk Cousins this year, which they obviously wouldn't because they just signed the deal, but it's, it's, it's 80 mil in dead cap. Next year, it's 48 mil in dead cap, right? And so you are there in the Matt Ryan situation where we said to ourselves, wow, look at where the Falcons are drafting in the 2021 NFL draft. Maybe they're going to go after a Justin Fields and put him behind Matt Ryan, a Mac Jones and put him behind Matt Ryan. What, like whatever it was, that didn't come to fruition because the money that they allocated to Matt Ryan simply did not allow for that to make sense. And to me, the Kirk Cousins deal simply tells me they're not interested in this quarterback class at all whatsoever. Next year, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Tyler Van Dyke, Spencer Rattler, like whoever's going to pop up outside of that, those are the guys that they're going to get to potentially sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year because, look, a fully guaranteed deal, man, He's you're not moving him, you're not trading him, and you're not cutting him. So that tells me Minnesota is completely out on this quarterback class this year. But he's expensive when he's not there in 2024. I mean, a twelve and a half million dollar charge on a void year. Well, if you so it's it's split. It's six point two five in twenty four and twenty four and twenty five. Mm-hmm. So he, you're paying Kirk Cousins to not play for you over six million dollars for 2024 and 2025. Crazy man. This was an expensive, like quietly a very expensive decision. I know the Vikings fans are sitting there and going, "It was not quiet." We are well aware. Um, I just, you know, I look at situations like this and will they ever be bad enough with Kirk Cousins to be in range to pick a CJ Stroud? I I don't think so. No, I just, I, this is tough. This is a day like free agency. Day one is supposed to be a fun day. Uh, It's an, you know, an overload of optimism for teams that might not get a lot of it in recent history, but I just, the Vikings, I have to say this. They are entering the very, or maybe they've been, very, very fearful state of treading water. And I would rather be awful or or good. Yeah, I mean, you I, can't. Being in the middle is, is a death sentence in the like, NFL. Like, you can't trade Deno Hunter now, right? I, I mean, wh- it would be very strange. You, you, you can't start offloading players. And if they do, then yeah, like you said, like, it's extremely strange. I know two years out isn't a super long window, but... 
I, I just, don't. I don't. I don't really I, know. I don't really know why they did this deal, man. I, I really. Don't. That's what I'm. I just don't get it. I don't. And I agree with your point of they are trying to give themselves like security for, and they're out on this quarterback class. That all makes a lot of sense. But I just. Then what? Right. What's Kirk going to win you? What is? Or the problem is he he just he might win you too much. I just thought they were in a unique position, and this is a, definitely a controversial take. Where they could have, even if they didn't draft a guy this year, they could have played Kirk or, you know, God, if they, they weren't going to move on from Kirk, but if they did, you play Kellen Mond, you tank, and then you're in on quarterback class next year and you try to get over the hump. I know that's a, a risky long road and a lot of teams tanking is obviously not a very popular hot topic right now in the NFL right. uh, with everything that's gone down in Miami, the accusations. But anyways, I'll keep this moving. The Vikings, very, very interesting team we have our eyes on uh, during this period of offseason and the NFL draft. The Bengals. Yeah. This is a team that was able to bottom out. They stunk and they got two franchise saviors in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And now they're awesome. Mm -hmm. And now they're making awesome moves. And it's not just bringing back Jesse Bates. They signed Alex Kappa to play guard. They signed Ted Karras. They got BJ Hill back in the folds, which yep. we had a lot of interest on the open market. Trevor, I love that they went veteran offensive line mm -hmm. approach. They didn't go, yeah, we'll fix it in the draft, even though we have 30 teams picking in front of us and we have no idea who the hell is going to be there. They were proactive. They were the anti-Bengals. They spent money, and they spent it in the right way to help Joe Burrow, to help this offense. I think Cincinnati is kind of in the same boat that the New York Jets were in going into this free agency, and they said, look, there's a lot of viable options on the interior offensive line, and we're going to go and we're going to spend money, and, and we're going to make some splashes in that realm. And getting Karras and, and, and Kappa, I think, is huge. I think it's awesome for them because, again, it makes them a lot less desperate at number 30 where they're picking at the back end of the first round. I had kind of been told, and I've got some whispers, that you know during the combine it was that, hey, if the draft were this weekend, they would probably be leaning defense, or actually that's a, that's a, bad, that's a bad way to put it, projecting out what they were going to do in free agency. Yes. They you nailed it we're going to go defense. Now that is not like definitive, but I feel like it's leaning defense depending on how the board falls, right? If a great offensive lineman falls to you, like, you know, if a Zion Johnson or a Trevor Penning or a Bernard Raymond or something like that, if one of these guys, a Tyler Smith maybe even falls to you at 30, yeah, they still might capitalize on the offensive line and might make another splash there. But if a lot of those guys are off the board, if they don't love who's left, I really do think there's a possibility where they could be looking at defense. Corner could be a big need for them. Linebacker could be a need for them. If Devin Lloyd falls that far, which I don't, I don't know if Devin Lloyd's going to fall to 30, but I think that's Maybe. in range for N'Kobe Dean, right? You look yes. at corners, you know, Kyer Elam might be there at 30. All of a sudden, these two moves by the Bengals, I think were fantastic. They did exactly what they needed to do to go get decent, like bottom line, decent offensive line play could be even better than that. And they're spending their money the way that they should freeing themselves up a little bit more at number 30, because dude, you mentioned it. Well, it's, it's not 30, it's 31, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's how that works when you make the super bowl and it loses Super Bowl. Um, so <laughs> what you were saying, there are 30 more teams in front of them. They're not allowing their draft position to stronghold them more than it needs to for what they're going to pick. So I think that that's where we are with the Bengals. And I thought they did a great job. Yeah. And they've done such a good job with their vast reach of signings to make this team better that 
now the door might be open that you can use your second round pick, pick 63, to move up from 31 if you want, if there's a player you really like, because you addressed a lot of holes, and maybe you really like a Trevor Penning at right tackle and you know, over Riley Reef or, or whoever it may be. You know, you look and you can complete the offensive line with a balance of young guys, with veterans. Um, so I think they positioned themselves wisely is what the Bengals did. And and you really love to see it because you, you don't want to see Joe Burrow's career, you know, health-wise be impacted by them not having the right guys in front of him. And the Bengals were a fun story last year. I mean, there's no way around it. They were a Cinderella team. Everybody loves to root for the Cinderella until they become you know, the dominant force, like the Chiefs have become, the Bills have kind of started to trend that way. The Bengals are a really fun team, man, and it's it's just good to see them actually invest uh, in what they have there, the opportunity they have there. Packers time. We mm-hmm. said we were going to talk a lot about the Packers, and this has been a no-surprise busy team. Once they got Aaron Rodgers back in the fold for mega money, they got Preston Smith back in the fold on an extension, who's been a really nice player in that defense. They did release Sedarius Smith, who's going to be right. a fascinating player to watch on the market when healthy. We know he can what he can do. Billy Turner was released. They got Devondre Campbell back on a five-year, $50 million That's deal, big. who was That's quietly big. one of the best defenders in the NFL last year. So here's the question, Trevor, or, or you know what it all comes down to. We saw a report this morning from NFL Network that Devontae Adams will not, and I get it, will not play on the franchise tag. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in football. Mm -hmm. But the problem is DeAndre Hopkins is drastically paid as the top wide receiver in football. Can the Packers make this work? I mean, there's always a way. The Saints have taught us there's always a way. But I think this has become more complicated than a lot of people have been led on to believe. I agree with you that... It is a little bit more complicated. It's not as much a, hey, Devontae Adams. I think the franchise tag was simply to buy more time. Sure. You know, if Rodgers signed a one-year deal, I think this would have gotten a lot more dicey. But he signed a four-year deal, which doesn't mean that Rodgers is going to play all four years, but it does mean there is some leverage in how you could manipulate a long-term contract with Devontae Adams. Because if Rodgers isn't, if Rodgers wasn't going to be committed to playing to you for very much longer, like let's say, like like I said, like let's say he signed a one-year $50 million deal. Well, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, are we going to be rebuilding heavily after Rodgers leaves? Like, yeah. like how are we going to be able to, Make it make sense that Devontae is still on our team, that we're not, okay, now hitting our winning window right when Devontae, we're getting done paying him all this money and he's not yep. helping us as he was before. So I think it would have gotten a little bit more complicated if Rodgers only signed a one-year deal, but he's back for four years. I think ultimately they're able to work it out. They're able to get Devontae a uh, three, four, I mean, maybe five-year deal if the money's right, but you can manipulate the money in there the longer the contract is. And I think that's what plays to their advantage. I think the Devondre Campbell contract is the biggest draft change, if you will, with Packers. Not necessarily the Devontae Adams news where he said that he's not going to play because I had Devin Lloyd going to the Packers at number 28 overall in my most recent mock. thought N'Kobe Dean could have been an option there too. I know the Packers have some thresholds with length, so maybe N'Kobe Dean wouldn't 
fit that bill, but he's a good football player. So all that to say, like, I thought linebacker could have been a consideration for them at the back end of the first round. Now it's not. Now I think you're looking elsewhere. Now I think you're looking at defensive line, right? A Logan Hall, a Travis Jones, maybe going wide receiver if you want to combine that. But I don't think that has to do with the the, the loss of Devontae, if you will. So I think that the Devontae Campbell is what changes things a lot for Green Bay. I don't necessarily think that Preston Smith leaving no not Preston Smith Preston Smith stayed Preston Smith yep. was signed with them Zadarius Smith left I don't think Zadarius Smith leaving means like okay now they're drafting another edge player because I think the defensive line with Preston Smith with Rashawn Gary with Kenny Clark like all that is good there they might want an interior player more than an edge player so I don't think the linebackers on the table for them anymore I think they're now going to look towards defensive line maybe wide receiver but I don't think it's as much because of Adams yeah, I think they find a way with Adams. It's just it's just interesting how, you know, he's not like, oh, Rodgers is back. I'm here to take whatever you give me. It's like, no, you got to take care right. of him too. He's got to right. be the number one guy, and they're going to have to – you've already seen it. They, they moved on from Z. Um, it's cool that they got a deal done with Campbell, and they're going to have to just move some money around and, and find a way to get Devontae done. But I, I agree the draft aspect of it is – do they look for that long, elusive, you know, true number two? Now that we're assuming Valdez Scantling is going to leave in free agency, do they opt to draft that? Um, I agree with you that they can definitely look up front on the defensive line. Let's not forget now that they released Z and kept Preston, you know, it's going to be Preston and Rashawn Gary, but you need guys that can play in between them. Oh, and, I th- and they and they released Billy Turner, so that means that Elton Jenkins yeah. probably going to play, gonna right, play tackle. right tackle for them. So. They yeah. might also be looking towards the interior if a good interior offensive lineman falls them. Like if Kenyon Green falls to them or something at twenty eight. Zion Johnson. Yeah, if Zion Johnson certainly falls to them, they could take the bait there as well. So I just wanted to throw that part out. No, they actually seem like an, an easy or team to figure out now because of this. It's who's gonna play next to Kenny Clark on the mm-hmm. defensive line or who's gonna be the interior offensive lineman that we draft. Yeah. That's what the Packers look like. And that's a good problem to have. I think they are, they've done a lot of really good things to keep that core together, and the draft can significantly help them uh, because of the way this board is going to fall. Like You might have a chance at a Devontae Wyatt there, and that's kind of a no-brainer at that late in the first round. Oh, shoot, so, yeah, damn. If Devontae Wyatt's still on the board at 28. They better sprint. They better They better get Usain Bolt to sprint in the card for him, man, just so nobody, nobody does anything for it. All right, let's go. One more each before we get out of here. We'll go quick. I'll stay a little bit homer here. I'll talk about Please. the Buccaneers because it's we not have just the Brady signing that happened on Sunday, but they have Chris Godwin locked up. They brought Carlton Davis back. They bought, brought Ryan Jensen back. Marpet is not coming back. He's not coming out of retirement. Uh, Alex Kappa now gone there for them. I still think interior offensive line is their biggest need. I had them going Tyler Linderbaum in my mock draft from, from Monday I think that if, if Linderbaum is still there, regardless of if Jensen is there, they would draft a damn good offensive lineman like Linderbaum if he is still on the board. I think they're going to bring Gronkowski back. They might bring Leonard Fournette back. This is really as close to, again, a run it back as they had before. Yeah. The only question to me is, can Jordan Whitehead, the safety, get a lot of money elsewhere and maybe he'll be gone, but they still they have Mike Edwards. They have Antoine Winfield Jr. They're bringing back Carlton Davis, obviously. That was so massive, the secondary is there. Dude, dude it's... I, blew my mind that that was possible i was so convinced that this team was 100 losing carlton davis and ryan jensen and somehow they brought both of them back 
and it was funny like as soon as brady was back uh, our old friend mike mccarthy was able to get the jensen deal right wrapped, immediately wrapped up immediately man immediately and it's the like... jensen deal was wrapped up he sent out a tweet about needing more baby powder that's the Tom effect. The Tom effect gets guys back. Um, I'm sure Carlton da- Carlton Davis got a really nice deal from the Bucks, but I bet a team there's a team or two out there that could have beat it by a mil per year mm-hmm. or something like that. But you go back to the Bucks and play. You like playing for Bulls. You like trying to win Super Bowls with Brady. Maybe you like being in Tampa. Obviously, like you're comfortable in the organization that drafted you. So the Bucks just massive winners in all of this. They went from. I mean, my goodness, three days ago, the Bucks were, oh, is it going to be Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask, tank right. mode? Uh, are they going to trade for Deshaun Watson? Is it is nobody's coming back to Brady's back? We're running it back. We got a lot of key pieces back. <laughs> right. I, so I'll, I'll turn this to you, Trevor, with the draft now and all of these dominoes falling in a really good way for the Bucks. Is there a chance at the end of round one, they are looking to draft Antonio Brown's replacement? Are they looking for that wide receiver three in that spot? You know, you have Dotson, maybe Chris Alave makes it there. Uh, I know, obviously, they're going to work on a deal with Godwin. Mike Evans is an absolute legend, one of the most underrated players of the last decade. But that number three is very, very important for that offense. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's firmly right there. I think that it's either going to be offensive line or it's going to be wide receiver. It's going to be one of those two. They're going to play the board as it comes to them. I don't think they're going to get too aggressive for trade-ups, although Jason Light loves to play the draft game, so that's always in the cards if it makes sense for him. Those are the two positions. It depends on who falls to you. If Chris Olave is still on the board, they'll absolutely. They, I think they would absolutely draft him. If Traylon Burks somehow gets there, you know, maybe even Christian Watson's in their consideration at the back end of the first round. Like all of that, I think is is in the realm of possibility, and they'll look at every opportunity within those two positions, and I think make the best cho- the best choice there. Who is your uh, who's your parting team that you want to talk about before we leave? The Eagles, man. I think, you know, yes. they made it. Yes. It was kind of quiet today, but it was a big signing for big money. They bring in Hassan Reddick on a deal worth up to almost $50 million. $30 million of it is guaranteed. Uh, the Eagles, they love some of those undersized pass rushers, and he's a good player. I mean, this was, I like this move for the Eagles, but I want to talk about it because of the domino effect. This has been a hot spot for David Ajabo with the 15th pick. Mm hmm. Trevor, they paid Josh Sweat. They've now right. paid Reddick. Right. They have a lot of money invested into their edge pass rush. Are they really at 15 going to draft a third rusher that is plays undersized to throw him out there? I just I think this changed things for the Eagles where you said it to me before we started the show. Maybe they do take that linebacker this year. Mm-hmm. They are a landing spot for Linderbaum. They are a landing spot for a wide receiver like a Burks or a London or a Jamison. Uh, I think that the big effect here is we have been very, I know I have been, and I've seen you do this, edge happy with one of the Eagles' three first-round picks. Maybe this wipes that off the board. It's hard to think that you have three first-round picks and one of them is not a pass rusher, right? Because the the position is so important. You're right. I think the odds are lower than they were, certainly, when the tampering period started. I wouldn't totally put it out of the question, but maybe they do look to a different type of edge player. Maybe, like, maybe they're... They're going to go for like Karloftis, Karloftis. Insta- That's right, exactly insta- instead of, of a David Ojabo, right? Like if, if both of those guys are on the board. So I still think corner is a big need for him. The linebacker, mm. man, I think if Devin, if Devin Lloyd is sitting there for you, like let's say they go Stingley at 15, they go Karloftis at 16, 
and they roll the dice a little bit and they get to 19 and they go, Hey, like if Devin Lloyd happens to be there at 19, we'll, we'll take him at 19. Maybe this is the year because they're not bringing Alex Singleton back. The linebacker room's already bad. And I get that the Eagles don't often do this, but the linebacker room has been bad. So, and you're, and you're losing one of the guys that was already on your team. So maybe this is it. Maybe they use that 19th overall pick finally on a linebacker that they might really need. Yeah, man, it's it, their problems are right in front of them. They're not good in the middle of the field because they don't treat the middle of the field like a necessity at all. And when yep. you overlook it year after year after year after year after year and you are listen, I, I get it from the perspective of you don't value off ball linebacker with premium assets. That's fine if you want to take that approach, but that means you need to hit in other ways. Day two of the draft, mid tier signings, stop gaps, trades. And they haven't. So maybe it is time to change the approach. We'll see. Um, but yeah, definitely the Eagles are such a fascinating domino in this draft, man. And this was a fun one. And it has me pretty jacked up for Thursday because by Thursday's show, you and I will be in the wave two and three of free agency. Yes. Yep. And that really paints the full picture. And as we sit here today, there are some massive names still on the board that have yet to be signed that can change uh, even the top 10 of this draft. Dude, it's awesome. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year when it comes to By draft far. evaluation because draft needs, you can see exactly how teams are attacking their holes on their roster and also give you a little bit of hint into what the league or what certain teams might think of this draft class. So it all makes for a lot of fun. Connor and I are going to be back on Thursday with, like he said, two more days of the tampering period. And then the official start of free agency under our belt to talk about it all, what it means for the 2022 NFL draft. This is the NFL stock exchange. We'll see you guys then.